Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the SimilarWeb Q3 Fiscal 2021 Earnings Conference Call. All lines have been placed on a listen-only mode, and the floor will be open for questions and comments following the presentation. If you should require assistance throughout the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad to reach a live operator. At this time, it is my pleasure to turn the floor over to your host, Annie Rosenberg. Ma'am, the floor is yours. Thank you, operator. During this call, we will make forward-looking statements related to our business, including statements related to the expected performance of our business, future financial results, strategy, the potential impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and associated global economic uncertainty, long-term growth, and overall future prospects. These statements are subject to known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected or implied during the call. Actual results and the timing of certain events may differ materially from the results or timing predicted or implied by such forward-looking statements, and reported results should not be considered as an indication of future performance. Please review our filings with the SEC, including our final prospectus and section entitled Risk Factors Therein, filed with the SEC on May 12, 2021, for a discussion of the factors that could cause our results to differ. Also note, that the forward-looking statements on this call are based on information available as of today's date. We disclaim any obligation to update any forward-looking statements except as required by law. As a reminder, certain financial measures we use in this presentation and on our call today are expressed on a non-GAAP basis. We use these non-GAAP financial measures internally to facilitate analysis of our financial and business trends and for internal planning and forecasting purposes. We believe these non-GAAP financial measures, when taken collectively, may be helpful to investors because they provide consistency and comparability with past financial performance by excluding certain items that may not be indicative of our business, results of operations, or outlook. However, non-GAAP financial measures have limitations as an analytical tool and are presented for supplemental informational purposes only. They should not be considered in isolation from or as a substitute for financial information prepared in accordance with GAAP. A reconciliation between these GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures is included in our earnings press release, which can be found on our investor relations website at ir.similarweb.com. With that, I will turn the call over to Orr Ofer, CEO of SimilarWeb. Thank you, Annie, and thank you all for joining us here today for our Q3 2021 earning call. It's a great to be here with all of you this morning. Our team is executing at a very high level, and we delivered a very strong result for the quarter. As a result, we are pleased to raise our revenue guidance for the full year of 2021 to $135 million, representing a 45% growth year over year. Q3 was a strong quarter in which we achieved a number of new milestones. First and foremost, I'm proud and excited to report that in Q3, we saw our ARR exceeded $150 million just one year after we reached the $100 million ARR back in Q3 2020. Also, in the quarter, our gap revenue increased 46% year-over-year to $35.6 million, this result exceeding our guidance. Q3 was a record quarter for us for both new customer acquisition and retention. 
Our customer base grew by 174 accounts, including the addition of amazing new logos across a diversity of industries, including Volkswagen Group, Toshiba Electronics, the London School of Economics, Royal Caribbean, Quest Diagnostic, and News Crop Australia. Our most significant growth come in our largest and most strategic customer segments, those companies who generate more than $100,000 in ARR. In Q3, we set a new record, adding 25 additional $100,000 customers, an increase of 48% year-over-year. These critical segments now represent over 50% of our total ARR for the first time. We're seeing strong momentum as our expanding product portfolio is contributing to greater velocity in our land and expand direct sales motion. In Q3, we set a new record for NRR, improving from the previous high of 106% in the end of Q2 to 110% in Q3. In that critical customer segment of account with over 100K in ARR, we improved the NRR to 122% up from 118% in Q2, also a new record high. Those improvements are driven by expanding usage of our products as well as by our customers who purchase more than one of our digital intelligence solutions. As you know, we offer a complete suite of digital intelligence solutions supporting a wide variety of use cases for digital marketing, sales, market research, e-commerce strategy, and alternative data for investors. Today, more than two-thirds of all of our customers are purchasing more than one solution. As an example of how our portfolio strategy is helping to drive deeper customer penetration, in Q3, we completed one of the largest deals in similar web history, a combination of upsell and cross-sell with a major multinational internet technology company. This was a seven-figure addition to our existing relationship making this the second consecutive quarter we have been able to announce an ARR contract of this size. This customer will be using four of our five digital intelligence solutions, representing a total of $6.5 million ARR contract. I want to focus for one minute on one of our five solutions, our new shopper intelligence offering. It is exciting and differentiated solution, and we are seeing some amazing early success with it. Shopper Intelligence delivers powerful insight into e-commerce activity online, marketplaces, enabling our customers to optimize their performance by revealing browsing and buying behaviors across online marketplaces. Our insights help them to shape their online sales strategies by optimizing product portfolios benchmarking the competition, and improving search and advertising performance. When we launched our digital marketing and digital research solution, it took us four years to get to our first seven-figure deal. With Shopper Intelligence, it took us just three months, and in Q3, we signed our first seven-figure ARR deal for the Shopper Intelligence. And here are a few examples of how our customers use Shopper Intelligence. A large North American retailer reported that Chopper Intelligence helped them rename a product to better align with search behavior, resulting in 20% increase in sales. In Q3, we completed a two-year deal of $600,000 with this customer. 
Also in Q3, Shopper Intelligence helped us win with a consultative specialized in CPG. The deal expanded our business with this customer by 6x to $360,000 ARR contract. This customer used similar web in a sales process to target and pitch new customer, as well as in advising its CPG's customer to optimize their partnership with big box retailers. The customer has also agreed to be a referral partner for us and is now recommending SimilarWeb to his own direct customers. One more solution that is going nicely is our sales intelligence solution that helps B2B companies that sell to digital players like e-commerce, digital publisher, and digital advertiser. And for example, PostScript is a leading SMS platform that enables e-commerce to communicate and engage with customers through text messages marketing. PostScript needed to improve and automate its account targeting and lead generation, which was labor and time intensive. By implementing similar web sales intelligence solution, the company now has access to similar web e-commerce database in every region and automatically can segment and prioritize e-commerce lead and integrate them directly into Salesforce. The result was increased in target account pipeline of 27% within just the first month. In Q3, we continue to make smart product investment to enhance our solution portfolio and make it stickier. Year over year, we doubled the size of our engineering team, and in Q3, we delivered hundreds of improvements across our portfolio of digital intelligence solutions that include major functional advancements in our competitive insight keyword strategy, and advertising intelligence feature, and to name a few. These improvements are driving more customer value and increasing our product stickiness, which is reflecting in our consistently improving NRR number. It also reflects in the way our customers use our solution, incorporating them directly into their business workflows. Indirect channels, referrals, partners, affiliate, resellers, and OEM are a new area expansion for our business. For example, in September, we announced that we had been selected by Google to power its new Market Finder service. Market Finders help small and medium-sized businesses target and grow into new global markets. The service leverages similar web data to analyze the company export potential, delivering an automated score along with personalized and actionable recommendation to kickstart an international expansion plan. Google has told us that it was the unique accuracy of our digital data and insight in our data edge that sealed their decision to integrate with us. The win with Google reflects our growing relationship and also representative of the increased potential we see to build the OEM relationship, where partners include our data and insight in their own product offering. We also saw channel growth outside of OEM. In fact, Q3 was the first quarter in which our reseller outside of Japan contributed more than $1 million in, in new business. Overall, we have a strong opportunity for our indirect business, and we plan to increase our investment in this area. Our data and insight are recognized by our customers, companies like Google and PostScript, who I referred today, as well as by the industry more broadly. In fact, last month, we were recognized by the Hedgewick as the best alternative data provider in the 2021 Americas Award. 
For over 10 years, we have been working on solving the incredibly challenging problem of measuring digital behavior. We invest significant resources in our data assets and acquisition, and we build an amazing R&D team of top-notch data scientists and engineers. Those investments and technology are very difficult to replicate. We are proud of and confident in our data edge, and we are and we are depreciate ourselves on on the reliability and comprehensive of our data, but we are always looking to innovate and improve on our measurement and insight creation. That's why today, as you may have seen, we announced the acquisition of MB Mobile, a San Francisco-based mobile insight provider and market leader in mobile audience analytics, consumer panels, and mobile sampling. We've been partner of MB for over a year, so we know them very well, and we've been very impressed with the quality and depth of their data. MB measurement approach is backed by a large-scale metered panel of highly engaged opt-in users. This approach complements our existing measurement strategies and will enable us to enhance our mobile intelligence offering with more granular data and more powerful use cases. Beyond this, we believe that MB will position us to introduce exciting new market research capabilities in the future. We welcome the MB team to the similar web family, and we are looking forward to working together with them to advance the stage of the art in the digital measurement. In general, we continue to benefit from the strong secular trend for digitization in our markets. Digital has become a preferred way to interact, transact, and deliver products and services. It is an important growth driver and strategic focus for most businesses today. Digital markets are highly competitive and almost every player is looking for advantage. Our digital intelligence solution gives our customer an edge, data and insight that enables them to understand their market better than their competitors, take action faster and win. The more the companies shift their business and become dependent on digital, the more mission critical our offering becomes. Those trends are driving our strong growth and reinforcing our confidence in our opportunity, our strategy, and the investment we are making in our future. We have massive market opportunity, which we believe today is approximately $34 billion. Our solution targets the most essential revenue-driven operation of our customers, sales, marketing, e-commerce, and C-suites, and we sell across a, a wide variety of industries, ranging from financial services to retail, travel, CPGs, to media, and many more. To summarize, we continue to execute successfully on our strategy. Since our IPO, we reached the $150 million ARR milestone nearly three months ahead of our plan, and we have delivered two consistent quarters of strong revenue growth, both north of 45%. We have grown our indirect channels and we expand our data edge both organically and through acquisition in Q2 and Q3. We introduced a new product and feature that expand our time and proven our ability to monetize those with significant new and upsell deals. Our combination of strong revenue growth and outstanding growth margin put us among a small group of best-in-class fast companies in the world, and we are very proud of this achievement. Finally, our execution and growth would not be possible without every member of our global team, each, each of whom works hard to achieve those results. We build a top-class recruiting machine and drive and support our growth. 
We are currently signing new hires at the rate of 50 new employees per month. I'm very happy that earlier this week, DNB recognized us as one of the top 30 tech companies to work in Israel. Overall, I'm pleased with the way our team continues to execute and are focused on helping our customers succeed and win in the digital world. We are heading into Q4 with tremendous amount of energy and momentum, as you can see by our raising our guidance. And as I like to say, we are just getting started. With that, I will turn it over to Jason, our CFO, to review the financial. Jason? Thanks, Or, and good morning, everyone. I will now walk you through our third quarter financial results before moving on to our guidance for the fourth quarter and full year 2021. As Or mentioned, in Q3, we delivered record revenue of $35.6 million, reflecting 46% year-over-year growth. This increase was driven both by an increase in our total number of customers, which rose by 27% to 3,242, as well as an increase of 16% in our average annual revenue per customer to $45,000. In our large customer segment, those who generate $100,000 or more in ARR, we increased the number of customers by 48% year-over-year to 245 customers. Once again, most of these customers began initially as smaller customers and have expanded through our successful land and expand motion. Today, this customer segment represents 51% of our ARR, while no single customer accounts for more than 5% of our ARR or revenue. Dollar-based net retention rate, or NRR, was 110% overall and 122% for our $100,000 ARR customer segment, as compared to 101% and 114% respectively last year. The success of our land and expand model continues to prove itself as NRR not only improves substantially year over year, but also sequentially as compared to Q2. As you know, substantially all of our revenue is ARR, annual recurring revenue with minimum subscription terms of one year. We continue to increase the number of customers with multi-year subscription terms. As of the end of Q3, 31% of our ARR is generated from customers with multi-year subscription commitments, compared to just 25% last year. This trend, along with our high NRR, reaffirms the value that our customers are generating from SimilarWeb and gives us visibility into the health of our ARR. In discussing the remainder of the income statement, please note that unless otherwise stated, all references to our expenses and operating results are on a non-GAAP basis and are reconciled to the GAAP results in the earnings press release that was issued just before this call. Our gross profit totaled $27.9 million in the quarter, representing a gross margin of 78.3% versus 78% in Q3 2020. Operating expenses grew to $41.7 million in Q3, up from $21.4 million in Q3 2020, largely reflecting the investment in personnel across the business, from product and R&D, sales and marketing, and our G&A team to support our business growth. Employee headcount increased 69% to 864 employees 
as compared to 511 last year, which has fueled our top-line growth. The specific components of our operating expenses were research and development, $10.4 million versus $5.3 million in Q3 2020. This increase was driven primarily by growth of employee headcount, who are focused on our newer solutions, such as shopper intelligence, sales intelligence, and investor intelligence. We're already realizing revenue growth from these new solutions and believe that these investments will prove to be meaningful growth drivers in the future. Sales and marketing, $23.2 million versus $12.9 million in Q3 2020, driven principally by increased investment in sales and account management headcount and marketing activities. General and administrative was $8.1 million versus $3.2 million in Q3 2020, which includes $1.2 million of additional costs for the quarter that we now incur as a publicly traded company. As a result, our non-GAAP operating loss in the quarter totaled $13.9 million, better than our guidance, increasing from $2.4 million in Q3 2020. Free cash flow for the quarter was negative $17.1 million compared to negative $2.3 million in Q3 2020, primarily as a result of the investment in employee hiring to drive our growth. These investments are already showing their value in the acceleration of ARR, customer growth, and higher NRR. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended Q3 with $159.1 million in cash and cash equivalents, and no debt. We believe that our cash balance and our $75 million credit facility, totaling $234 million of available funds, provides us with more than enough liquidity to execute on our growth plans. Deferred revenue at the end of the quarter was $66.4 million compared to $43.6 million at the end of Q3 2020. Our remaining performance obligations, or RPO, totaled $114.1 million, up from $85.7 million as of December 31, 2020. We expect to recognize approximately 87% of total RPO as revenue over the next 12 months. We believe that the combination of deferred revenue and RPO are a good indicator of the health of our business. During Q3, we exceeded $150 million of ARR, continued to deliver strong and accelerating NRR and customer growth, both overall and from our $100,000 ARR customers. These trends and the continued momentum and demand in our business fuels our confidence to again raise revenue guidance for the year. For Q4 2021, we expect total revenue in the range of $37.5 million to $37.9 million dollars. For the full year, we are raising guidance and expect total revenue in the range of $135 million to $135.4 million, representing 45% growth year over year at the midpoint of the range as compared to 32% growth last year. Non-GAAP operating loss for the fourth quarter is expected to be in the range of $18.8 million to $19.2 million, and for the full year between $52.1 million and $52.5 million. 
This includes approximately $3 million of incremental operating costs related to the acquisition of MV Mobile, which we expect to close this month. In summary, we have executed well since our IPO. Our business is tracking well across all of our major initiatives, and our financial performance and guidance indicates that we will end the year on a high note and headed to 2022 with strong momentum. With that, Orr and I are happy to take your questions. Operator? Thank you. The floor is now open for questions. If you do have a question, please press bar one on your telephone keypad at this time. If at any time your question has been answered, you can remove yourself from the queue by pressing one. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad at this time. Our first question comes from Bhavan Suri. Please state your question. Thank you, and uh, congratulations. Um, that, was, that was a great quarter, and uh, certainly the uh, net dollar retention rate just uh, w w was phenomenal. I guess let, let's focus um, on that acceleration you're seeing with NRR, NRR hitting high water marks. I guess um, both or Jason, I'd love to understand what drove the customer expansion. Is it, are you seeing customer budgets expand? Uh, was it a operational go-to-market change to highlight? Um, or is it the new products that are just being adopted as those products get rolled out? Help me understand sort of what drove that acceleration uh, in the quarter that we've seen now, now for a couple of quarters. <clears throat> so, um, hi, thank you all. I think um, there's many elements to contribute to the growth of the NRR we've seen over the past quarters. I, I can uh, assume that majority of the impact come from improvements that we're doing on the products, plus um, introducing new products to the customers and, uh, you know, driving upsell and cross-sell, and, uh, and the customer just buying more of our product portfolios offering. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then, and then or maybe, maybe a little more technical one here. Um, so, so you mentioned that MB collects data through panels. Can you, can you talk a little bit just in more depth about the types of data that can be collected with the solution? And then how does that data fit in with your existing data modeling process? Yeah, so MB uh, is really expert in the metered panel world uh, for the mobile and uh, has a, a great data asset. And so their data is a great enrichment for two uh, areas. First, improving our mobile web to improve the estimation on the website to have better uh, uh, web uh, mobile web estimation. And then the second part is improving our app offering. So they also have a great app uh, information like um, download and usage for uh, the app ecosystem. More than that, they have also a very deep technology that can see more like ad exposure, uh, et cetera, around the mobile ecosystem that it's something that is very unique. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's helpful. Thanks, guys. Congrats, and a really nice job there. Thank you. Our next question comes from Sterling Alti. Please state your question. Yeah, thanks. Hi, guys. So, wondering, in terms of the increased usage part of the NRR specifically, what programs or things are you doing differently now than maybe a year ago to help motivate that increased usage into your customers? 
Um, I don't think we did anything special uh, in, our, in our go to market. I think it was mostly natural. It was not like uh, anything like aggressive campaign from our side. I think just more improvement on our product, more listening to our customer of what they need, do the right improvement in the product, and, and then introducing new exciting features and solutions is what's driving uh, the, this growth. And then if if it's kind of just organic adoption on your customer's part, are you finding that the increased usage is, is spreading across different types of departments within those customers? And is it hitting different budgets than maybe just, you know, uh, you know a marketing budget where you might land initially? Um, I think the answer is yes. Yes, when we when, when usually when we introduce new solution, it's basically a, a new department. If we take the CPGs as example, they use and they usually land on our research solution that comes sometimes from the data teams budget or the marketing budget. And when we come and introduce our new shopper intelligence solution, we're already talking with different teams like the e-commerce team, product buying teams. So it's a different budget usually. Understood. Thank you. Our next question comes from Brent Fields. Please state your question. Hi guys, this is David on from Brent. Thanks for taking the question. Um, I guess I guess the first one, if you could maybe discuss uh, the MB acquisition um, and and how it's going to position you guys in the mobile area and the app data spot area, um, you know, especially uh, against competition. So I think it's a great boost to our uh, entire mobile uh, and data infrastructure, and we feel highly confident. We work with MB for more than a year as a partner, so we were very familiar with, with the offering and data quality, and we were highly impressed. We feel that not only by joining forces with them, we can introduce a much better data mobile data quality. We can also believe that we can accelerate their business and their, and their operation. There were a small startup, 16, 17 employees who are doing a good job, but with the similar web resource and infrastructure behind them, we can I think we can really scale their operation and, and basically boost them and their technology and their meter panel, and this will uh, cause a similar web to have a really strong uh, mobile offering down the road. Got it. I'm looking forward to you guys integrating that into the platform and getting, uh, being able to use it. And then um, you know, maybe just one more on headcount. I think you guys said headcount was up 69% year over year. Could you touch on um, what areas of the business we're seeing um, you know, the majority of the headcount growth and, and maybe going forward, uh, where, are you, where are you guys focusing uh, on hiring? I think uh, all over the company uh, now seeing a great growth. So the, the growth in the past year was in all departments, you know, from our GNA to be ready for the IPO and a public company to to double our R&D organization in the past year to support all the success we're seeing with their new solutions. And of course, our go-to-market that continue to execute amazingly, and uh, we need to, to hire more more people, you know, to drive to drive the growth we, we're looking for. Great, thanks, guys. 
Okay, our next question comes from Jason Helstein. Please state your question. Hey, thanks. Hey, guys. Um, I guess to maybe talk a bit more about kind of the iOS roadmap, um, you know, how the acquisition is fitting into that and relative to what you were doing organically, and then how you think about that relative to kind of what's going on in the market with like IDFA and how that's either positive or negative for you. And if you even want to talk about kind of the ultimate removal of cookies and how that, that ends up kind of playing out for you. And then secondly, um, just how do you think about just the tailwinds around video, you know, for the business? So meaning like, obviously we know massive shift to video from a consumer standpoint, how does that impact um, kind of your clients and how they spend on you and think about your product? Thanks. Right. Thank you, Jason. Good to hear from you. So I will try to answer all of the questions. I think uh, regarding your first question around iOS and uh, mobile strategy, as you can see, we are being serious here and doing our first acquisition, and this will drive the entire uh, mobile strategy, Android and iOS. And we're going to go all in, all in and we'll accelerate the roadmap there. So a lot of new improvements will come in the next few months, and uh, you will probably see, and I'm sure you would like them. Um, the second question about the IDFA and how it impacts our market and, and, uh, and how we're seeing it. So the IDFA and all the trend of removing cookies on the web and removing the IDFA on the mobile is um, – is here uh, basically um, to you know make the life of the ad network hard to track users and we target them online. And and this motion um, is not impacting our industry. You know we are uh, doing more measurements, uh, statistic market research about the internet. So we don't use cookies or IDFA when we're building our our measurement. And, and what my my thinking around that is what will happen once those things will remove and you know the advertisers uh, will have much more it will be much more harder for them to measure themselves and understand ROI on uh, marketing and what's called to, to to the digital world maybe to feel like more like in TV you know in TV have a more extreme situation when the when the advertiser doesn't know anything and in this ecosystem they need to be 100% dependent on market research company to drive marketing strategy so my belief that once uh, all this trend of IDFA and remove of cookie will go all in um, our our industry will have an amazing uh, flourish and, and a nice wingtail uh, because then advertisers in the digital world will need to be much more dependent on companies like us to give you market data. And uh, the last question is about video. Um, we do have a, a, a video intelligence offering in our platform that can enable um, our customer to see what is the video advertising strategy of their competitors. So we are touching it uh, lightly, but we don't do video measurement. Um, so we do support the marketing acquisition team around the video strategy, but not not getting into the the video measurement ecosystem. Thank you. Okay, our next question comes from Tyler Racky. Please state your question. Hey. Good afternoon, Orr and Jason. Um, I wanted to ask you just around the, the strength that you saw in large deals. I think you talked about a $6.5 million ARR 
deal. Um, you know, what are you learning from from some of these larger contracts, just from a you know closing and, and go to market perspective, and and just how are you thinking about the the large deal pipeline as you, as you head into Q4? Hi, Tyler. Jason. Um, so uh, yeah, we're really excited about those uh, those large deals. You know, when we talk about our land and expand strategy, uh, that's really what we do. We uh, our goal is to um, land at, with the customer at the right uh, at the right price point for them, and per, and over time, upsell and cross sell them. And that's what you saw both last quarter, this quarter, and you're seeing that in the increase of those hundred thousand dollar customers. Um, uh, we're seeing more and more of those. Sorry, I'm getting some feedback. We're seeing more and more of those in our pipeline. In other words, the uh, the the existing customers that we have who are expanding, uh, both in terms of usage and in different departments, and expanding in terms of more and more um, solutions that they're doing with us. And we think that this trend is going to continue. Great. And um, wanted to ask you about the. The, the OEM uh, arrangement that you signed with with Google, I think their Market Finder service. Um, how how is the the revenue sharing gonna gonna work on that deal? And you know, you know, are are you seeing any um you know just any color you could provide on on this kind of early traction and and kind of what um you know what what the size of you know potential end users uh, using that service. So um, it wasn't a revenue sharing uh, model. It's basically it's it's pay on a, on consumption. So they're buying uh, access to our data and then they can build products on that. So they give this product for free. So they don't selling it. So um, this is how it's work. And we think that there's a lot of opportunity in this uh, entire OEM ecosystem. There is endless of amount of companies and that building products that can. Can gain, can gain great value by using similar web data uh, in, in their uh, workflows or offering. So we're seeing a really great potential, in, you know, and seeing Google building products uh, that's using our, our data was a very exciting moment for us. Got it. So Google is, is licensing the technology from you, and um, but, but the, the end users aren't, aren't paying. Is that, is that right? Yeah, Market Finder is a, is a free product by Google that helps and is advertisers to find more market opportunity to expand and going into those markets. So they give this product for free in order to drive more ad spend from the advertisers. Got it. Thank you. Okay, our next question comes from Ryan McWilliams. Please state your question. Thanks for taking the question and happy to hear about the strength across the business. So I'd like to just hear some more on your shopper intelligence product. You mentioned already winning a large deal um, since the product launched. Now, how do you think about the addressable opportunity for this product and how can the solution drive larger deal sizes? Thanks. Um, yeah, so um, first of all, I, you know, my personal belief that the term for uh, the shopper intelligence is massive because this this product is, give, is telling you what people are buying online. And if you compare to the more similar thing out there is, is the old traditional marketplace that should tell, tell you what people are buying offline, the point of sales, 
this is a huge market of, I don't know, double-digit billion dollar in the offline world. And there's more and more uh, companies uh, moving uh, and depending more on selling online and more consumers are spending online and making their production there. The access to this data become much more critical. And so the budgets will move to this market that will be massive. And I think our offering and position there is very, very unique. Like you'll see there, and the, the quality of the data is unparalleled. So I think um, the term is, is massive. I don't want to say any um, specific number without um, doing a deep research behind that. But you can see that the deals, you know, the average deal in the shopper intelligence is six figures. And you can see after only three months of, you know, releasing this product out, we're able to close a seven-figure deal. It's, it's, I think it's insane. As I said in the earning uh, call, it took us four years uh, to, um, in, the, in the resource solution, the marketing solution, to get to a point that we can close a seven-figure deal. And with this product, it was only after three months just show the quality and the and the demand in the market for this very unique uh, data and insights. I appreciate the color. seems like a logical upsell for some of your transactional customers. Jason, one for you. Um, I think a lot of the questions have been on the net retention doing very well in the quarter. Um, should we consider this a new level for net retention as we try to model your growth out or, you know, anything maybe to call out here, you know, year over year or what went into this metric? Thanks. Yeah, um, abs uh, I think so. I think that uh, we've gotten to this new level, and I think that's a trend going forward. Okay. Okay, our next question comes from Pat Wallravens. Please state your question. Hi, this is Joe Goodwin on for Pat. Thank you so much for taking our question. Uh, can, can you please talk about the uh, the advisory services that you offer to your larger customers and, and just maybe, you know, how that's going and, and how large that is from an ARR perspective today? Yeah, for sure. So advisory services is something that we introduced this year, a very exciting motion. Basically, it's an add-on usually on, on most of, on top of the customer that buying our software. And basically, a lot of our customers, when they start playing and building their, uh, you know, their market share, their dashboard with our data, a lot of the time they want to get more deep and granular data on specific strategic questions. They want to know about the digital world that you cannot carve out from the platform because we didn't release those specific data sets out there. So they usually they come to advisory services, and, and we basically build for them a custom data feed or a specific uh, um, uh, a report. And the interesting thing about the advisory services that we saw, I think, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong here, that 80% of the builders are recurring because they are love the data and the insight they're getting and they are subscribing into those insights. Um, and it's, um, uh, Jason, are, are we uh, talking about the size of the advisory services? Yeah, I'd say that, I would say that uh, it's, in a few, it's a few million dollars, but uh, like we said, I think it's even higher. It's substantially all of them are recurring revenue. They're by design, um, all you know, like our other contracts, um, all uh, ARR, ARR based, but they provide that uh, additional insight. 
for things that have not yet been productized in the in the platform. Yeah, I would add on that that, uh, that something nice to know. The value services also is very strategic because usually when uh, when we work it with our biggest account and those data and reports we produce go all the way to the C-level. So it's also uh, increasing uh, our relationship with the C-level executive answering a lot of strategic questions. So it's really been a huge success this year, and we are expecting this uh, offering to drive nice growth for next year. Great, thank you for that color. And then, and then, just on, you know, have you guys made any pricing changes to your solutions? You know, understood there is kind of different pricing um, strategies uh, across use cases and solutions. But you know, is there any sort of pricing change that you made that that might be leading to some of this expanding use of your products that you've seen? No, not uh, not not something that I think of. We didn't de- did any drastic change. Maybe more crystallized, but I don't think we did any significant change in pricing. Got it. Thank you. At this time, there are no further questions. This concludes Similar Web third quarter earnings call. Thank you for your participation. You may disconnect your lines at this time and have a great day.